I want us to go to God's Word this morning. I want to go to the book of Romans, chapter 13. The book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And when you think about the book of Romans, in the first 10 chapters of this book, the Apostle Paul deals with doctrine, about being saved by grace through faith. And then he moves to our duty, what we should do because of this, this is how you should live your life. And, you know, one thing that I've realized is you behave the way you believe. Okay? You can't say that I believe something and behave totally different. Because if your behavior doesn't match what you say you believe, then you don't really believe what you say you believe. And the Apostle Paul, after telling us the doctrines in the first 10 chapters, then in chapter 11, he starts moving toward our duty. What should we do? How should we live? And I want us to look at verses 11 through 14 this morning. I'll read from the NASB, New American Standard Bible. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, do this, notice this, now he's saying this is what you got to do, knowing that the time, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The New Living Translation says it like this, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Then verse 12, he says, The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as the end of the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. If you could summarize these verses and down the four things that Paul is telling us, it would be simply this. It's time to wake up. It's time to clean up. It's time to dress up. And it's time to look up. Okay? Say that again. It's time to wake up. It's time to clean up. It's time to dress up. It's time to look up. Now let's take these one by one this morning. The first thing he would tell us here is it's time to wake up. Go back to verse 11 here. He says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. In other words, what he tells us here is it is getting late. Probably one of the most frequent questions that we hear today is this, are we living in the last days? Let me answer that for you this morning. If you go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and he declared this, 
he says, but this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Next verse. He says, in the, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. So notice what Peter says in the very first, that first verse that we read. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5. Paul tells Timothy, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, and malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And he says, avoid such men. Notice what he said in the last days, what it's going to be like, treacherous times. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 2 says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. And so are we living in the last days? Absolutely. When did the last days begin? It began after the day of Pentecost when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. That became the last days, okay? Remember now, a, a day is the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day, okay? And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, it became the last days because the next day is the day of the Lord, okay? So we're living in the last days. We've been in the last days. Matter of fact, if you read the Apostle Paul's writings, they believed they were living in the very last days. And let's, let's just lay it on the line here. Jesus may not come back for another hundred years, but you know what? He may come back for you today. You understand that? And so this could be your last day. And Paul is telling us that we need to know what time it really is. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Now, I don't really have that good of an outline, so we're going to read our scriptures today, okay? And so at least we'll say we heard the word of the Lord when we get out of here. He says, now as to the times and the epochs or seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, that's when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead, will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. Now Louis says to us, he says, but you brethren are not in darkness 
that the day, the day of the Lord, would not overtake or catch you by surprise like a thief. He says, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. And so what Paul says is as a child of God, it should not catch us off guard when Jesus Christ comes back because we can know the times and we can know the seasons. Now, we might not know the exact day, but we can know the times and the seasons of his, of his return. And Paul is telling us that time is running out and so we better wake up and understand what time it really is. But a lot of people, they live like they've got all the time in the world. They don't live like they have a sense of urgency. And when you think about it, how does the Bible describe your life? It describes it like a vapor. It describes it like a mist. It describes it like a shadow, like a cloud. We, every single one of us in here, we're only a heartbeat away from eternity. And we got to realize that this life right here is not necessarily a dress rehearsal. You don't get a second chance to do things over again. You get one life to live, and so you should make the most of it and live for Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 11 of Romans chapter 13. Look what he says here. He says, it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. So he's telling us it's time to wake up from our sleep. The Encyclopedia Britannica defines sleep like this. It describes it as a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. And so what Paul is saying here is you need to rouse up your spiritual consciousness. You need to rouse up your responsiveness to what is going on around you. That word sleep in the Greek is the word hypnos, which we get our word hypnosis from. Okay, now hypnosis means that you are unresponsive to certain things. In other words, you're in a trance, you're in a zone, and you, and, 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 and you don't realize what's going on around you necessarily. And so Paul is telling us that time is short. We need to get our house in order. We need to wake up. Now, why do we go to sleep? It's because we get comfortable. When you get in that easy chair, right, you get comfortable, all of a sudden you start dozing off. And as a child of God, I think a lot of us in this country have gotten too comfortable. We've gotten too comfortable. We've gotten too comfortable with how it is to live around here and live down here. And we got we fallen so in love with the things down here, thinking it's going to last forever in, in, in this form and fashion. And so sometimes God has to put a rock in our spiritual shoes, so to speak, 
to let us realize that, listen, it's not going to always be like this. You need to wake up and realize what time it is. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, what we just read a while ago in verses 6 to 8, look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, so then let us not, not sleep as others do, but let us be alert. In other words, let's, let's wake up. Let's realize what the, what's going on in the world and let us be sober. That word sober means it means be of a clear mind. So let us be alert. Let us be sober. He says, for those who sleep, do their sleeping at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so Paul is telling us, you need to wake up and realize how late it is getting. How late it's getting. How late it's getting. Then he says this in verse 11. Because your salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. Now some people may say, I thought I was already saved. I thought salvation dealt with my past. And now he's saying your salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Well, there's three aspects of salvation. There's justification, which deals with our past. There's sanctification, which deals with our present. But guess what? There's one more step that we haven't yet received, and that is glorification. That's when we get our new body, okay? That's when we become like him. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, yes, you've, had, you've been justified, sanctified, but guess what? You still have not yet been glorified, and that is getting closer than when we first believed. And so he says, church, it's time to wake up. And then the second thing he says is this, it's time to clean up. Verse 12, Romans chapter 13, verse 12, look what he says. He says, the night is almost gone. Now this is a metaphor because what he's saying there is this night here, it describes a moral and spiritual darkness that enshrouds this present world and is radically, irrevocably opposed to God. He's saying this party that the world's in, it's about over. This living how they want to live with no consequences, he says, the night is almost gone. 1 John 2, 15 and 17 says, Do not love the world. Remember now the night here is talking about the world and its system, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, for the boastful pride of life. And it is not from the Father, but from the world. And then he says this, the world is passing away. It is not going to be like this forever. But he who does the will of God, he lives forever. So he says, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh. That's the craving of the sinful nature. The lust of the eyes, that's materialism, that's covetousness. The pride of life, the want to be important, success, recognition, wanting those kind of things. He says, those things are passing away. 
They are not going to last. I like what he says in 1 Corinthians 7 and 31. He says it like this. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. You better hold those things loosely. He says because those things are passing, they're fading away. He says for this world as we know it will soon pass away. Think about it like this. Suppose you worked in a factory and they t- came in and having a meeting with you and they told you this factory is closing down at the end of this month. You'll be out of a job. Now once you heard that, guess what? Your attitude toward that job would change. Hmm? You wouldn't feel the same about it. Because you know it's about to end. Or what if the government announced that they were going to shut down your bank in six months? I guarantee you would quit putting deposits in that bank. Right? Well, if the world is about to pass away, why do we keep investing in the things of the world like they're going to be here forever? Huh? Why do we raise our kids to love the things of the world more than the things of God, the material things, the things of pleasure? Why do we make sure that they are involved in those things And the things of God are secondary type of things. Come on now. This world is passing away. Now listen, if you had told me last year that we may not have sports, I said, you're crazy. There's no way. There's there's no way they can cause I like sports. I like it. But just like that, things that we thought was going to always be there, they are going away quickly. And the only thing that's going to stand the test of time is this right here. Is this right here. Let me tell you something. Education is going to pass away. Sports, pass away. Entertainment, it's going to pass away. Money, it's going to pass away. Possessions, they're going to pass away. Government, it's going to pass away. Politics will pass away. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's all run a lap for the Lord. Religion will pass away. But the only thing that's going to stand forever is the Word of God and his people who are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, listen, you better wake up and you need to realize that this night is almost gone and so you better clean up. So how do we clean up? Look what he says, verse 12. He says, therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Let's stop there. Go down to verse 13. Look what he says here. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing, 
not in and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, and not in strife and jealousy. So he, this is not a comprehensive list of sins, but he's just given a few there, okay? So he says, let's clean up from carousing and drunkenness. What is that? That's riotous partying, drunkenness. We know what that is. Sexual promiscuity. Let us clean up for that, from that. You know, we live in a world that is so overly sexualized right now as it is. I want you to think about this now, okay? A man after God's own heart succumbed to sexual immorality. The wisest man that ever lived was overcome with sexual promiscuity. The strongest man that ever lived was overcome with sexual promiscuity. And so this is not anything that a child of God should play with. We should flee, we should run from it, because if we don't, it may very well cost us our soul. It may very well cost us our family. It may very well cost us everything that we have worked so hard for. And so he says it's time to clean up from carousing, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality. What is sensuality? We always think this now is a, in a sexual connotation, but it, just, it doesn't mean that here. It simply means unbridled lust, always wanting more. Okay? Then he says strife. We could stop here and spend about three months. What is strife? It's that contentious spirit. Loving to quarrel. Let me just stop here and say this, since we're not on video, I don't think we are. Okay? There's a lot of quarreling that's going on nowadays about things that people just don't agree on. Okay? Can I give you a scripture this morning? Romans 14, 22. That we can maybe walk out of here with if you don't get anything else. Put Romans 14, 22 up there. Put it in the new, if you don't mind, put it in the New Living Translation. I, I like how it says it there. Here we go. He says, and let's go down to the third line there at the end. But keep it between yourself and God. What is he talking about there? He's talking about there was, there, was, there was fussing and fighting over what you could eat and what you could drink. Disputable matters. Things that weren't clearly listed in the scriptures. And I would say this. What do you believe about things that are not in the scriptures? Just keep between yourself and God because all we're doing is tearing each other apart over stuff that you ain't changing anybody's opinion over it. Because we're all stubborn in some form or fashion. Come on now. We're all stubborn. We're all stubborn in some form or fashion. And so what we got to do is we can agree on the central things, but those things that are disputable, let's just keep between ourselves and let's keep it between God. And let's love one another regardless of our disputes on these things. He says it's time to quit having strife to quit having arguments over things like this that are tearing the body of Christ apart. 
And I'm talking about things that's even in my own family that we don't agree on. Mm-hmm. My own family. We don't agree on these things. Okay? And so what are we going to do? I'm going to keep it between myself and God because, you know, it's amazing that most of the time my wife, she'll tell you I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a mule. I'm stubborn as a mule that you can't really tell me anything. But we have disagreements, and I, don't, I could probably count on my hand the number of times that, we, that one of us said to the other, you know what, I think you're right. I think I'll agree with that now. <laughs> yeah. I've just learned, and probably she's just learned, let's just keep it between ourselves and God. And maybe God will open your eyes one day. <laughs> but it's not, it's, not, it's not that we're going down to divorce court over on this thing. Because every marriage, I don't even know why I'm saying this, every marriage has irreconcilable differences. That's right. Things you're not going to agree on. You just got to learn to love one another and keep moving on. And he says jealousy. What is jealousy? Envious rival. So he says it's time to wake up. It's time to clean up. Then he says this. It's time to dress up. Go back to verse 12. He says, put on the armor of light. And then in verse 14 he says it like this. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take this one by one. He says first and foremost, put on the armor of light. That is kind of brings us back to Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul talks about how that we're in a spiritual battle. And because we're in a spiritual battle, guess what? We should put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand in the evil day and having done everything that we can do to stand. And what is that armor? It is the breastplate of righteousness. It's the helmet of the hope of salvation. It's the shoes for the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's taking the shield of faith. It's getting the sword of the spirit. It's getting your armor on because why? We are in the midst of an important battle. Now let me show you this. When he says put on Jesus Christ, that covers your spiritual armor. How do we know that? The breastplate of righteousness. Who is our righteousness? Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. The helmet of salvation. Who is our Savior? Jesus is our Savior. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Who is our peace? Jesus is our peace. The shield of faith. Who do we put our faith in? We put our faith in Jesus. Who is the sword of the spirit, the word of God? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What I'm saying, what he's saying is this. Listen, it would be like a, 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 an army, a general, Right before his soldiers go out to war, what Paul is saying here is this. He's not saying, okay, here's your armor. He's saying, guys, you've got the armor already. Now use it. Okay? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you've got Jesus already. Now apply it to your life. Jesus is armors. And so he says, it's time to wake up. It's time to clean up. 
It's time to dress up. And then he says this, it's time to look up. It's time to look up. Now let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 14. Now when the apostle Peter writes these words, it has been about 60 years that has passed since Jesus Christ has returned to the Father. Okay? And people are beginning to say, well, either the resurrection is already passed, either he's not coming back. And so this is what is going on in the church world during this time. And so Peter wants to kind of clear up some things and help him understand some things. Chapter 3, verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. That doesn't sound like a, that we should be going around, uh, you know, uh, holding on to some things around here. If it's about to be burned up. Because I'm looking for a new heaven. I'm looking for a new earth. This old earth is passing away. He says this, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, but because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. He says, but according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then he says in verse 14, Therefore, because of this, Beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him, by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And so he says, listen, when you look up, it should cause you to want to clean up and be ready for Jesus Christ to come back. This world is not our home. We need to wake up. We need to clean up. Amen. Come on now. We need to dress up and put on righteousness in this corrupt world we're living in. Let me say this right here. A lot of, if we're not careful, we get to the point where we say, well, this world's going to hell in a handbasket, so we might as well just cower in church and wait for Jesus to come back. That's not our job. Our job is not to look at the clock. Our job is to work while it is still day, and then when we hear the trumpet sound... When we hear the horn blow, whatever it is that happens at your work, when you hear the whistle blow, then it's time to take off your stuff and it's time to head back home. 
You don't sit there and say, well, I only got three hours left to go today, so I guess I'll just go find me a closet where nobody knows where I'm at, and I'm just going to wait in the closet till, the, till, till it's time to go home. No, you'll get fired for that, okay? And so as a child of God, we know it's at the last time. We Listen, we don't have much time even if Jesus doesn't come back for another 50 years because in 50 years, I don't know many people in here is going to still be around. I don't want to be around in 50 years not knowing where I, who I am or where I'm going. I'd rather go on. I'm just saying it. Time is going away so quickly, and you better wake up and realize that, it's, that the night is about over. Jesus Christ is coming back, and so we need to dress up, and we need to look up. Amen. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Come on, be playing. Wake up. Clean up. Dress up. Look up. Our salvation is nearer than it's ever been. Every second that passes, we are one second closer to receiving our reward. And listen, I remember growing up as you're standing that when I would hear a preacher preach about Jesus coming back, it would scare me to death. But he didn't tell us this to scare us. There's a reason why the Bible calls it our blessed hope. He wrote this, he tells us this, so that we can have hope in this sin-sick world that we're living in. So that we don't give up, so that we don't throw our hands up and say, I quit. But we can say, listen, it's almost over with the finish line. I can see the finish line in sight. And because I can see the finish line in sight, it's time to bear down like I've never bared down before because when he comes, I want to be bold at his appearing where I can say, here I am, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. Should you come today, I'm ready to go. If you say to know you're on your way to heaven, can you raise your hand? Can you raise your hand? Come on, let's, let's, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. We're on our way out of here. It's going to get, hey, listen, the world says it's going to get worse, and it may get worse down here, but it's, there's a better day coming for us, amen. And it's a day with no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more pain, no more election. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's going to be on the throne. He is on the throne right now forever and ever and ever, and I'm excited about that. Praise be unto God. And you know what? When you think about that, it should make you want to say, Lord, if there's anything within me that's not pleasing on you, I want to get rid of that. And I want to live for you in these last days. If you don't come for 50 years, guess what? I want to be living for you. I want to be a witness for you. I want to be your ambassador. But if you come before we get out of here, praise be unto God. Wake up.
Wake up. Clean up. Dress up. And let's look up for our redemption. Draweth nigh. Praise be unto God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I pray as your people we would live with a sense of urgency, realizing the time it is, it is getting late. The night is far spent. It's about over with. Lord, I pray that because of that we would remove all evil deeds, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's wantonness, whether it's strife, whether it's contention, whether it's jealousy, whether it's envy. Lord, we would remove all those evil deeds. God, that we would put on the armor of God. We would put on Christ Jesus every single day. And Lord, that we would look up because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be unto God. And I'm going to say this. If I die this week, I don't care if I get hit by a train. I don't say, look what the devil done. You say, thank God he's at home. You can't kill a dead man. If I've died with Christ, why should I have any worry about anything going on around here? Now, I'm not going out playing in traffic. I'm going to live wise. But when it's my time to go, let's go. Let's go and don't weep for me when I'm gone. Mm. God bless you. Don't forget Sunday school at 10 o'clock this morning. Hope you'll stay around for that. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you Wednesday night. Look up. <laughs>